0: This is Central Carolina Journal, a program that highlights events, programs, and slices of life happening throughout our communities. I'm Fred Brucker. Thanks for joining us. On this special broadcast, we feature a lecture that was given by history instructor Robert Barnes. The talk, which was delivered on September 7th, was a retrospective of the terrorist attacks that occurred on September 11th, 2001. Robert recounts the timeline of that day, as well as the impacts that those events had on our nation. Let's listen in now to this presentation titled September 11th, 2001. Never forget.
1: We use this term 9-11. What actually was this event? Well, 9-11 was a tragic attack of Al-Qaeda-backed jihadists that perpetrated the deadliest terror attack to ever occur on U.S. soil. They're using very low-tech means, using box cutters and the threat of explosives. Approximately 19 hijackers gained control of four large-scale flights and turned these into deadly instruments of destruction, turned commercial aircraft into these terrible weapons that destroyed property and ended lives here in the United States of America. Two planes struck the major towers of the World Trade Center in New York, catastrophically collapsing them. Two more planes also were involved. A plane struck the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. A fourth plane crashed into the fields of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. But in just a matter of hours, nearly 3,000 American lives were tragically cut short. 2,977 American lives ended in the blink of an eye. And this just produced an outright atmosphere of fear and panic and uncertainty that just engulfed the United States of America instantly as we tried to recover from this tragedy, as we tried to put it into context, as we really tried to figure out what happened and and why this happened. Again, this was one of the defining moments of the early 21st century. Anybody alive can recall that day with crystal clarity. It is something that kind of defined an entire generation, both of young people and adults. Now, as a history instructor, I've got this language here. It was a distinct change in the American timeline. This represents a shift from the post-Cold War American hegemony to a new phase of U.S. history. Uh, The Cold War ended here in 1991, and from 1991 to 2001, the United States of America existed in this position of kind of international primacy and supremacy, and these tragic attacks forever changed that dynamic and led to a whole new phase of U.S. history, a new chapter of the American story, and dramatic changes in both our foreign and domestic policies. So origin and backstory, a little bit of history as to what occurred here on 9-11. The September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks were perpetrated by al-Qaeda insurgents. Now, al-Qaeda is an anti-Western militant group that is heavily influenced by a particularly radical, non-mainstream interpretation of Islam and and Hadith and certain Islamic scriptures. The term al-Qaeda actually translates roughly to the base. And this was a reference to the military training camp inside Afghanistan, where these insurgents learned asymmetrical warfare and terrorist strategy. This organization was really founded by individuals like Osama bin Laden and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. I've selected these two individuals in particular because they are kind of representative of the masterminds of this organization. They are both relatively affluent individuals. They were both highly educated individuals. Uh, bin Laden trained as an engineer in Saudi Arabia and then in the United Kingdom. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed actually received an engineering degree close to home here at North Carolina A&T. Uh, Individuals like this helped come up with this plan and help promote this organization uh, of Al-Qaeda. They were really fueled by these very radical interpretations of Islam and very anti-American, anti-Western sentiment. And in the war-torn region of Afghanistan that had been home to decades of civil war, and in other Middle Eastern countries like Egypt and Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, this anti-American, anti-Western sentiment kind of began to grow and fester. One of the major events here that led to the creation of al-Qaeda and their growing anti-American sentiment was the Afghan-Soviet war. Groups of freedom fighters named the Mujahideen were active soldiers against the Soviet invasion and they were partially funded by the United States of America. In the aftermath of this war, animosity began to grow concerning these Mujahideen fighters and their former allies in the United States of America. And then the situation just continued to spiral to its tragic conclusion. In the aftermath of the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait, the US military responded in the region. And many of these Al Qaeda members were outraged that Saudi Arabia allowed the United States of America to use their territory as military bases And they were outraged at the American presence so close to the holy sites of Islam. And this is kind of one of the final breaking points that led to the leadership of al-Qaeda conducting a series of asymmetrical terrorist attacks and wars against the United States of America. By the 1990s, al-Qaeda had shifted their priorities and they began to increasingly condone attacks, not just against the United States military, but against American civilians as well, these targets of opportunity. In 1993, uh, al-Qaeda operatives launched their first attack at the World Trade Center. This was a truck bomb that was detonated in one of the sub-basements of the building. It killed seven people, injured over a 1,000, but it did not lead to the catastrophic collapse. But this was one of the first wake-up calls in the United States of America of this growing threat. Al-Qaeda's involvement around the world continued, and in 1998, they launched another series of tragic attacks At U.S. embassies in Africa, killing over 200 and injuring over 4,000. Al-Qaeda began to increasingly target and plan catastrophic attacks in the United States of America. And by the late 1990s, the leadership of Al-Qaeda had recruited a group of at least 19 individuals into four attack teams. These individuals gradually immigrated to the United States of America, and at least four of them completed their flight school training here in the United States and Florida, setting the stage for what would become the tragic events of 9-11. This animosity from al-Qaeda, this, this radical terrorist group, ultimately leads to the worst attack in U.S. history. So I'm going to kind of walk you guys through the timeline of events and conceiving of this. One of my target audiences really was this generation of young students that were not alive or don't really remember 9-11. And I want to just kind of walk you through the events of the day to get a feel for, for what it was like to witness this in real time. Uh, September 11, 2001 started as just another average day in the United States of America. Nothing to script. I remember uh, on the day of 9-11, I was up watching the news, having a cup of coffee. Uh, I was in university at the time down in Wilmington. Starts as just a standard day. People boarding flights, taking trips across the country, conducting their business. Just before 8 o'clock a.m., 7.59, American Airlines Flight 11 departs from Boston, heading to Los Angeles. No idea of the tragedy that is about to occur. 8.14, United Flight 175 departs from Boston, heading to Los Angeles also with another 65 people on board. 8.20, American Airlines Flight 77 takes flight from D.C. to Los Angeles. Everything appeared to be just a regular average day, but then our first real warning sign erupts around 8 20 hijackers on board flight 11 accidentally transmitted a message that was received by ground control and almost simultaneously members of the flight crew managed to alert ground control that terrorists were on board they'd hijacked the plane and the plane was lost the ground control alerted fbi but still nobody was really aware of the tragedy the impending doom that was approaching The common pattern at this point was really more that hijackers would take over the plane and then hold people for ransom, kind of make demands. Nobody could really forecast this new strategy of asymmetrical war, of turning these planes into active weapons of destruction. Still, day continued as normal. Ground control FBI assumed that this was an isolated incident, and at 8.41 a.m., United Airlines Flight 93 also departs, on route to San Francisco. Very rapidly, the situation spiraled out of control. The planes began conducting erratic patterns. They started making unscheduled turns. Suddenly, 8.46 a.m., first thing in the morning, American Airlines Flight 11 crashes into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. There's actual video footage of this. This wasn't quite yet into the era of smartphones, but there was a news crew in downtown Manhattan covering the New York mayoral election, and they actually managed to capture the images of the first plane flying into the World Trade Center. At first, everybody assumed that this was some kind of accident, that that was really the conversation going on in the immediate minutes after Flight 11's crash But then very rapidly, and just a a matter of minutes later, Flight 175 came streaming into the South Tower, catastrophically impacting the building. It's at this point that both towers were rapidly engulfed in flames, and the United States of America gradually began to wake up to the reality that this wasn't an accident, that this was something more dramatic, something more terrible occurring. Around 9.05, President George W. Bush was briefed of the crisis while he was reading to a group of schoolchildren in Sarasota, Florida. Rapidly, the administration in New York City closed the bridges, closed the tunnels to Manhattan. And following the second attack, U.S. Air Command began emergency procedures to try and assess the situation and begin the process of grounding flights. But tragically, it was too late. Very rapidly, Flight 77 crashes into the Pentagon, and it became abundantly clear that this was an ongoing crisis. People panicked. We didn't know how many planes had been hijacked, what other targets of opportunity were going to occur. There was still a desperate feeling that there was a chance that we could save some of these people from the World Trade Centers, even though the buildings were on fire, the elevators were cut, emergency crews began, the evacuation process. And then just before 10 o'clock, the South Tower, catastrophic, collapsed. It's a heartbreaking moment. We were glued to our screens watching this in real time. Lives extinguished before our very eyes. And and that's when it became apparent that this was a, a crisis of epic proportion and the new reality began to dawn on Americans. Flight 93 shortly was after that was reported crashing into the fields of Pennsylvania About a half hour later, the North Tower collapsed tragically, just catastrophically. And by before 11 o'clock, the Pentagon itself had been struck. We didn't know whether there were more flights. We didn't know whether there were more targets. The fear and panic really gripped the nation. By 11 o'clock, the defense secretary ordered U.S. military preparedness to DEFCON 3. And this is one of the highest alert status U.S. military had experienced in decades. The day itself was a day of epic tragedy. I'll never forget it. Uh, Just just painfully watching the series of events unfold, going from this hope that this was an isolated accident to the knowledge that this was a pre-planned massive terrorist attack. The images of the buildings collapsing will really haunt the generation forever that witnessed this live. The first place that was struck was the World Trade Center and the coverage was almost instantaneous there were first responders in the area that flooded to the tragic attack desperately trying to help anybody that survived the news crews were filming this flame engulfing the world trade center so we watched live as the second plane came screaming into view catastrophically making contact with the second twin tower And this just changed the entire dynamic of the day. We went from remorse over a possible accident and tragedy to the fear and panic of something more nefarious assaulting our country. Uh, I can remember personally that the telephone lines and, and cell phone lines were inundated. So many people tried to call their loved ones in New York. The communication lines in the area really began to lag. And that just further added to the panic and the difficulty in managing the emergency response. As this tragedy was being viewed live, the situation just continued to escalate. We got news that another plane struck the Pentagon, the very heart of the U.S. military, and gradually the reality became apparent. But the fear was pervasive because we didn't know. We didn't know if it was over or if there was more to come brave first responders immediately rushed to the World Trade Center in a desperate attempt to save the lives of the individuals inside the burning buildings. Thousands tried to desperately evacuate through the stairs, but many were trapped above the damage line. There were people that were isolated in the top floors of the World Trade Center that were completely cut off. The elevators were out of commission. The stairs were damaged. It was a very desperate situation. The U.S. military began emergency preparations. They scrambled Air Force jets. They began the process of grounding the remaining planes in the sky above the United States of America as we we tried to get some assessment of the full scope of this tragedy. And as we were watching live, as, as we were powerless to do anything about the tragedy unfolding, the Twin Towers catastrophically crumbled in front of our very eyes. There was a diminishing hope that any lives would be salvaged, any lives would be saved. And there was an immediate onset of an intense panic, concern for the lives of our fellow Americans, but also fear that more attacks could occur anywhere across the United States of America. The Flight 93 crashes into Pennsylvania, and people began to speculate that this was possibly destined for some other prime target of interest, possibly the White House or the Capitol building. The tragedy just continued to unfold, even after the buildings collapsed, the almost apocalyptic images from ground zero in New York City began to circulate. First responders spent the next two weeks desperately searching for survivors in the rubble of the World Trade Center, and the recovery effort stretched on for nearly a year, more than 200 days. Now, the first responders were viewed at the time as the the -the on-the-ground immediate heroes of the tragedy. Uh, Members of the New York Fire Department actually witnessed the first crash from a nearby street and immediately responded. Uh, New York Fire Department raised a five-alarm fire. The overwhelming majority of first responders in the city poured into downtown Manhattan trying to rescue these individuals from the burning building. The initial first responders actually tried to set up their emergency headquarters in the other Twin Tower, but ultimately moved this base of operation, fortunately, to a nearby location. They were completely unaware of the impending crisis and the threat to their very own lives. First responders were in the building, were trying to desperately conduct these evacuations, When the second tower was struck, when flight 175 comes crashing into the second World Trade Center tower, crews immediately began to split their attention and address this erupting crisis throughout the area. Over 200 FDNY units responded to the emergency. That accounts for nearly 8,600 firefighters, over 600 paramedics, and hundreds of New York police officers pouring into the scene, just desperately trying to help whoever they could save. Tragically, first responders were in the Twin Towers when they catastrophically collapsed. They became part of the victims of the day. But other first responders tirelessly continued their efforts to dig through the debris and rubble and desperately try and save anybody that they could find in the area. The situation continued to worsen. After the collapse of the first tower within 30 minutes, the second tower came catastrophically crumbling to the ground and just a desperate situation began to unfold inside New York City. These brave first responders that rushed directly at danger to try and save their fellow American lives tragically perished in this attack as well. Around 400 New York first responders died on 9-11 as the World Trade Centers burned and collapsed. Hundreds more died in the following years due to health issues and illnesses and injuries that they received that day. They ultimately succumbed tragically over the next decade. As the reality of the crisis became apparent, these emergency crews never gave up. They never lost their laser focus. They continued to dig through the rubble of the World Trade Center. They set up emergency medical facilities. FEMA responded. Federal agencies poured into the region. And it wasn't just New York first responders. In the immediate aftermath, emergency personnel from all over the United States of America went to New York City to try and desperately assist this recovery effort. Emergency crews spent the next 200 days sorting through the tragic rubble here at Ground Zero, utilizing search dogs to try and find the scent of possible survivors, delicately wading through this rubble, removing every piece of debris, fearful that it could create a catastrophic collapse underneath. Thousands were lost, and the city just desperately tried to understand what happened and thousands of new york residents desperately tried to understand were their loved ones there or where were they missing who had survived the immediate aftermath was a period of mourning and i've titled this discussion uh, september 11th never forget because of these particular image here that, that haunted that generation the, the people that witnessed this live vowed that they would never forget this tragedy and they would never forget the lives that were lost that day. The nation entered into a deep period of mourning. Residents were desperate. There was a lack of good information. We we didn't know how many people had escaped. We didn't know how many people had tragically died in the collapse of the World Trade Center. Thousands of New Yorkers took pictures of their loved ones and stapled them and taped them to the area around Ground Zero in in desperate hopes that somebody could help identify them, that somebody could help find their missing loved ones. Outside of New York City, millions of Americans desperately tried to put this tragedy into context to, to really understand how this occurred, why this occurred, what had motivated such a horrific attack on the United States of America. The images were tragic. The stories of loss, the phone calls from people on board these airplanes saying their final goodbyes desperately to their loved ones on the ground, sometimes just leaving heartbreaking voicemail messages, the images of people falling out of the World Trade Center, the collapse of the building. It was heart-wrenching. Then the nation just entered into this deep period of remorse, and it wasn't just that day. It consumed the following day, the weeks, the months that followed. This really dominated the minds and the news cycle of Americans, not just on 9-11, but this was kind of the defining event of 2001. As the death toll continued to just skyrocket and rise and hits the thousands, then the 2,000 mark, and it continued to go, uh, Americans began to vow that they would never forget. They would never forget this day that would haunt them, this tragedy that our nation suffered, these thousands of American lives that were lost. And like a phoenix from the ashes, a silver lining in this tragic, remorseful day a new sense of unity and American nationalism began to grow as we tried to find our way forward in the aftermath of such a horrific event. Stories about the efforts to retake Flight 93 began to circulate. It became apparent that people on board Flight 93 that crashed into Pennsylvania were aware of the attack on the World Trade Centers, and they made an effort here to try and retake the plane and prevent their flight from being turned into another one of these uh, weapons of opportunity. I've got a quote here from uh, Todd Beamer. He was a leader of this effort to try and retake Flight 93. And tragically, the last recorded words that we have after he's confirming the situation is he and his fellow Americans said, let's roll as they desperately tried to break into the cockpit and retake control of the plane. The remorse lasted almost indefinitely. Again, crew spent 200 days wading through this tragic wreckage of ground zero, They never really gave up hope, you know, for days leading into weeks, there was still hope that somebody could survive, that somebody could have be recovered, that underneath the next bit of rubble, maybe we could save a life. But gradually that hope began to diminish and the names of the lost and the missing were painstakingly researched and recorded. For years after 9-11, it was a commemoration event where we would watch as the names of these 2,000 or almost 3,000 Americans were read out loud as we made a conscious effort to to remember their loss and this great tragedy. First responders were viewed as the heroes of the crisis. They rushed into danger. They diligently worked to try and save lives. And this was inspirational. Uh, I personally have friends that viewed this and it, it, it changed their lives and it, it put them on a trajectory to pursue careers in, in emergency services and in the U.S. military. 9-11 was the event that influenced a generation that has a living memory. For my parents' generation, it was the assassination of John F. Kennedy. For my grandparents' generation, it was the attack on Pearl Harbor. But for my generation, I will always remember where I was, how I felt as the tragedy of 9-11 unfolded. This changed everything. 9-11 was a defining event for the first decade of the 21st century. And it's a defining event here in the telling of the history of the United States of America. Now, just in an academic sense here, this represents a distinct line on the U.S. history timeline and a shift to our contemporary U.S. foreign and domestic policies. Since the collapse of the Cold War, the United States of America existed in this position of international dominance. There was a very real sense that with the collapse of the Soviet Union, there, there was no real rival to the United States of America in the world But here on 9-11, a a whole new category of threat became apparent. Uh, This wasn't a cold war against a superpower. This was a new asymmetrical war against a non-state actor, a terrorist group that didn't have national boundaries or national alliances that were singularly focused on the destruction of our country. This led to dramatic changes to both our domestic and foreign policies to adapt to this new reality and new threat there was an effort to prevent any future 9-11-like event from occurring. We had an effort to strengthen our intelligence communities, to gather more data and information. And using this legislation passed by the U.S. Congress, the USA Patriot Act of 2001, this was an effort to really try and strengthen America's ability to resist. In fact, USA Patriot Act, stands for Uniting and Strengthen America by Providing the Appropriate Tools and Resources to Intercept and Obstruct Terrorism Act of 2001. It was designed, its entire intent was to prevent another similar tragedy from ever occurring. Another unfortunate long-term consequence here was the effort to dismantle Al-Qaeda and to dismantle these threats to the United States of America. This led to a shift in U.S. foreign policy to an increasingly involved aggressive foreign policy, especially in areas like Afghanistan and Iraq that were funders or housing many of these terrorist insurgents. These gradually became two of the longest wars in U.S. history, stretching decades into the 21st century. The political and international consequences of 9-11 dominated the next two decades of American history. Uh, Discussions of our safety, the, the targeting of these axis of evil, these individuals that had perpetrated this attack on our country became an imminent priority for our nation. So living through the events of 9-11 versus teaching it to people, these are very different ideas. I have a generation that I can ask, where were you on 9-11? And they will instantly remember. They will recall the day, the sounds, the smells, the sights. That imagery is forever locked into their brain. They will never forget. Even in preparing this tragically, as much as I have lectured on this in the past and going through these images, I found things that I had forgotten. And I think it's important that we continue this discussion every year so that this isn't just isolated to the generation that remembers it, that has this living memory, but that we also carry these memory forwards to a new generation. The other idea I have in putting this presentation together is how do I help you, a generation that wasn't even alive or that was in their infancy, understand the importance of 9-11? If you weren't there to remember it, how can you understand how significant it was? And that's why I feel that events such as this, where we go over the details of the events, that we recall the motivating factors, that we actually take the moment to remorsefully recall the tragedy of the day and help share this to future generations so that we can stay diligent not only remembering the lives that were lost that day, but to continue to work to prevent any sort of similar tragedy from occurring for another generation of American citizens. So that is why I've titled this 9-11, Never Forget. This wasn't just a a phrase of the day. It really, to me, is a sentiment that encapsulates the totality of this tragedy that we, we can't forget the day. We can't forget the lives that lost. We can't forget the, the groups that perpetrated this attack. We can't forget the first responders that desperately tried to save American lives and sacrifice themselves for the opportunity to just possibly pull another body alive out of that rubble. I think that this serves as a great opportunity every year for us to remember both the tragedy of 9-11, the heroism of our first responders, and to reaffirm our diligence to never allow such a tragedy to occur again.
0: You've been listening to a lecture entitled September 11th, 2001, Never Forget, on this special edition of Central Carolina Journal. To hear past episodes, visit 883 com forward slash CCJ. If you want to listen to this episode again, simply search for episode 2315. And if you have an idea for a future episode, give us a call at 910-814-8830 Central Carolina Journal is a public affairs presentation of Central Carolina Community College and its radio stations, 90.5 WDCC and 88.3 WUAW. I'm Fred Brucker. Thanks for listening.